0: Thanks to Cry Malt, local malt for local beer, this is Radio Brews News. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, founder of Australian Brews News, and as ever, I'm joined by my good friend, colleague, and all round good beer guy, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome back. G'day, Matt. G'day, listeners. Good to be back. Prof, I need to ask, um, whenever I do that intro, you know what's coming, you know what's coming, but there's always like a five-beat pause before you respond. It's almost as if you're waiting
1: for me to uh, say something else. Yeah, just see if there's going to be anything different. No, just no. Just like to you know, leave a leave a bit of a pause. Keep guessing. <laughs> Building this. What's, what's on for today? We need to get into it fairly quickly today, don't we? Because we've got quite a lengthy interview, but one which is well worth sitting through. Uh,
0: absolutely. We uh, we have the twenty fifteen uh, Australian Beer Writer of the Year, um, founder of the Ale of a Time uh, Media Empire um, blog podcast. Uh, they do actually. He does a lot of discussion groups about podcasting and. Having already recorded this interview, we didn't get around to asking him what we should do to improve ours, Prof. But <laughs> <laughs> apart from the obvious, but they, they do. He, he, uh, the guys, uh, he and Dave, are uh, going along and in on the fourth of December. Actually, how to get started in podcasting? It would have been a very interesting thing to ask him for some tips on our own podcast. But the best thing that we could do was actually get him on to improve the content of our podcast. We have just finished recording an excellent uh, discussion with Luke. So without any further ado, we started by asking, who is Luke Robertson?
2: Uh, It's a good question. Um, I'm a a, a blogger, writer, podcaster um, from New Zealand originally, but living in Melbourne for the last decade. Uh, And yeah, mostly all about beer, really.
0: But one of the reasons well we've been wanting to to chat with you uh, since oh, well since forever um, as, as far as I, I can remember and I'm not sure why it hasn't uh, come to pass but I was reading your Twitter this week and uh, you you co- you made a uh, comment on Twitter reads like a bunch of sad old blo- blokes wondering where the market went and my first thought was that he was talking about prop and
2: I, um, <laughs> I and- speak for yourself <laughs> <our> paleface <phone. laughs> but I'd never say such things. <laughs> no.
0: But the, the reason for that was, uh, you know, look, I, I, I read your stuff and, and I, I often, I generally find myself nodding in agreement even when I don't, um, it, it's not necessarily a view that I hold or a view that I would have come at. And you know, mm. I've come to realise that there is this generational divide um, in, in, in beer that we're really cutting across. And Pete and I are probably that um, half generation to a whole generation... Just older than you, where we are more deeply enmeshed in the mainstream beer, um, and this thing that's called craft beer is new to us. A little bit like hmm. uh, you know MP3s and uh, streaming video and all of those things. Whereas they're, they're very much a part of your life, um, and yep. your but they, they very much influence your take on, on on the beer scene.
2: Yeah, that's probably
1: probably fair. Yeah. So uh, um, I'll, just, I'll just warn you now, Luke, um, that at any moment, Matt is going to drop into now back in my day. So <laughs> just be aware.
0: Well, this whole thing is sort of, yeah, uh, back in my day or in, in your day. But one of the things I wanted to um, uh, specifically chat about um, was uh, your five predictions for 2017.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so i mean, assuming there's anybody that doesn't read your... Uh, blog at the your excellent blog aleofatime.com uh, maybe you can take yep. us through your your crystal ball gazing for 2017 and we can uh, unpack some of those
2: yeah cool uh let me just bring them up uh, i will make a disclaimer that i didn't uh put that much thought into them my sort of throwaway comment at the start of the post was you know uh it's kind of a lazy a lazy post um so, listicles you've it, got to love listicles and at this time, yeah, yeah it'll be interesting to try and defend them uh, <laughs> <laughs> or elaborate on them um, but yeah the, the first thing I, I see and I, and I think this is probably the one of the most true um, and we're already seeing it already I think is that 2017 is going to be about price uh, I think people are going to start looking at ways to get beer on the market cheaper uh, that, that's still good beer and, and quality beer and do, what do you think is the driver for that? Is
0: it increased competition? Is it market resentment to the price well, of beers?
2: Yeah, I think I and mean, price is the big barrier for for craft beer. I think uh, in Australia, especially, you know, when you when you go and say you go to a Liquorland or a Dan Murphy's and you see a case of say Fat Yak for forty bucks and a case of Stoner Wood for eighty bucks, you know, it's it's a no-brainer if, if you're not into beer and you don't really care that much, but you will still want something a little bit tasty. You're going to go for the the one that's half the price. Uh, so I think a lot of craft brewers are starting to realise that. Um, we've just seen in Melbourne here the Moon cans are going. I think ten packs are going for twenty five bucks, um, which is a great price if you if you you know want something a little bit uh, more interesting than the mainstream. Um, so yeah, that's a. I think we're going to start seeing more of that. Uh, and I know already a couple of breweries uh, are looking for the tank space basically to try and do that. You know, they have the packaging, they have the beer in mind, they just want to, um, yeah, find the time to make it.
0: And that's been one of the things that I, I again, I just, I, you know, I, I've been saying for a little while that there's going to be a lot of price pressure. Um, and it's uh, one of the things I've noticed that is driving uh, people's progression through craft beer, and we'll, we might even come to that. Um, in, in the cards and letters um, section of the, of, the, of the show. But when people discover, you know, something other than mainstream lagers, they're quite happy to indulge their obsession um, with money. But it does become a um, a burden after a while um, when you've, you've had 15, 20, 30 different IPAs, uh, hmm. you know, and you suddenly realise that, well, there are some good ones and there are some bad ones. Um, and you can get a fairly good one that is very similar to a, another good one, and there's you know a, a fifteen, twenty, thirty dollar a carton price difference. Um, mm. it, it provides a real incentive to go, and you know so, and you see people graduating to you know to IPAs, but then settling for the uh, little creatures IPA. Um, is is that what you think? Um, you know, is that along the lines of what you were talking about there?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think that's definitely. Um uh, it's probably the case with me, and, and whether or not that's just because I'm no longer, you know, ensconced in the, the corporate world and uh, freelancing. So, uh, price is obviously a lot more important to me at the moment. Um, but, you don't I get think, sent buckets
0: uh, of uh, free beer?
2: I don't get much free beer at all, unfortunately. <laughs> I get a lot of promises of free beer, and it never turns up. I don't know what's Prop going is the on. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you, brother. Hallelujah. <laughs> It's, it's disappointing, I think. Yeah, great. That'll be here by Friday, and then it never shows up. Um, but I, I think, um, yeah, definitely when it comes to, I guess, choice, and, and IPA is probably a pretty good one. You know, we we really like having a uh, six-pack of IPA in the fridge, um, and these days it's it's generally the same ones. Uh, you know, Pirate Life. Um, we've got our local brewery uh, here in Footscray's Hop, um, Hop Federation. No, Hop Nation, sorry. Hop Nation. Yeah, I always get these too confused. Um, and, you know, they, they do a really good IPA, uh, and I can go down and get a, a cannibal, you know, one-litre cannibal of that. Uh, you know, I can walk there and, and back. So, you know, for me, there's not really any point to, to go exploring that that sector that much. Uh, I don't really buy American IPAs anymore because, you know, I know that the one I'm getting down the road is a lot fresher than, than the one I'm getting on the shelf. Um, and then... Yeah, with, I guess, in the actual price point of those, something like the the new Last Urban Pale that came out here in Melbourne, uh, that was $22 a six-pack, which is a great price. And for a beer that unique, it, it had its own sort of character. Um, it certainly wasn't like many things on the shelf. So, And it was a really good drinkable beer. Uh, I found we drank our six-pack of that far quicker than, than most. So. Um, you know, if I know that I can get something like that for twenty-two bucks, then I'm going to go go back and get that again.
1: Reading through uh, last week when that came through, I, I totally agreed um, with Luke's comments on um, on that. I, I think though it's it's possibly linked um, in the future um, as much with quality. There'll, there'll be like a, a quality and price algorithm, um, and I think you'd be, I might be preempting. Um, one of your other predictions for next year um, which, which which is the, the consolidation side of things which I think needs to happen before we get that um, price quality equilibrium sorted
2: out hmm. yeah and I think that that equilibrium is probably a good one you know that that urban pale from last iron is probably a pretty good example where it hits both both things I want in that in that sort of price point for a beer so you know it's a it's Exactly what think, I want out
1: of. Yeah. Do you think though, Luke, that you know, so the the, the three of us chatting now and and, and, and like-minded spirits, I guess, um, uh, will allow- make it, make a bit of an allowance for a bit of a variation in in quality. Um, and uh, not mentioning any specific breweries, but it just it, it's happened in the past, and I'm sure it'll, it'll happen again, uh, where there's just too much variability in the in the quality. Now we'll say, oh, okay, yeah, we might contact the brewer, or you know, um, or their rep, or whatever it might be. Uh, perhaps post about it, uh, and we'll possibly come back to them. I, I fear for a lot of the breweries who who happen to send that batch out. Um, A that they let it out, but B that then uh, you know perhaps a first timer cops one of those six packs and that's their experience of craft beer, and then boom they're straight back to the fat yak for forty bucks because you're never going to get a bad one.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think I think that's true, and that's one of the big risks. Um, Although one of the things that I do notice, and I kind of spend a lot of time looking through um, Untapped sometimes. If I if I get a bad beer or a dodgy you know a dodgy quality beer, I'll I'll go through Untapped and see what a lot of other people are saying. And I think a lot of people that are sort of coming in new to craft beer aren't necessarily picking up those flaws as well as, um, say, you or I might. Uh, and I, I certainly don't pick up all flaws or, you know, I'm not sensitive to many. Um, but, you know, if I get a, a diacetyl-ridden beer and, and then you go through yep. tapped, and people are kind of praising the uh, the caramel and butterscotch. Beautiful butterscotch
1: flavor. beautiful butterscotch
2: flavour, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, But that's the I old false it's... or feature argument.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I've taken beers back to to bars and said, look, this, this beer is riddled with with butterscotch. I can't drink it. And they said, yeah, yeah, but we sell a lot of it. People like it. Um, so, yeah, it's I guess it's hard to know when people are starting out what flavors are going to be exciting to them and what's going to stand out as a good or a bad flavor to them. There's One
0: of the reasons I love this list um, that you uh, put together um, is that it intersect, there's so many intersections in each of the points with a lot of things you've written that I'd wanted to uh, discuss with you and a lot of the things that Pete and I just discussed um, at various uh, stages. And one of those was um, Sydney Craft Beer um, posted something recently looking at just this issue. You know, um, know, does it matter if uh, beer is bad if people enjoy it?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think that was pretty much right after I posted this. He posted that. He did, Uh, yes. And that was a, yeah, a really good read. And um, yeah, I, I agree with his point. You know, a lot of people, there are a lot of breweries out there that aren't probably putting out the best quality beer, uh, but they might have a really good brew pub or might have really good packaging that that people gravitate to, and you know, they enjoy talking about that while they're not really thinking about what's actually in the glass. And it's an interesting point, and I don't, I don't know where that, I guess, starts to become a problem if, if people are liking it then. They like it.
0: That, and and mm. the number of times I've had people come up to me at tastings just saying, how good is this beer? When it's a beer that, again, like, like you, I've identified a fluid in it and I can barely finish the glass, um, mm. but they get great pleasure from it and, you know, does ultimately doesn't matter. Um, and, and I have to admit that once I started coming to the conclusion, well, if, if you're enjoying it, you know, go if you like that. beer beer's not going to win any medals um, at mm. recognised beer awards but if it's generating sales then it has its its merits but when you follow that thought to its logical co- conclusion a lot of people get pleasure from corona
2: yeah yeah and you know that's again that's it, that's that's the the product they've made and people are enjoying it so yeah you you're right it's, it's it's kind of hard to know when when it becomes a problem though and i think Possibly the market's still so immature that uh, eventually those kind of, those flaws are going to stand out more and more once people are kind of familiar with how a good version might, might taste. Um, and I kind of think of that when I, when I look at IPAs and when you you look at a great one uh, you know from, from one of the world's best in the U S compared to some of the local versions and they're, they're worlds apart. Um, and then when you start getting, you know, really good ones, some of the local versions don't quite hold up and, uh, even though you, you always thought, I always thought they were really good.
0: Yeah, and the, and the analogy, well, the thing that scares me um, and the analogy I'll draw for that is uh, when you're driving through country towns these days, um, you very rarely see the old hamburger joint or the old coffee shop. Um, you see a chain, um, whether it's McDonald's or whether it's a, um, I don't know whether you guys have coffee club in Melbourne, but in Queensland, certainly a coffee club. And there's that element of, you know, when you used to be travelling, there were some really, really good local coffee shops, but you didn't know what they were because you weren't a local. And mm. you stopped off at enough bad coffee shops that you would stop taking that risk. And you know, whilst everyone knows you're never going to get a great meal at McDonald's and you're never going to get a great uh, coffee at a coffee club, you very rarely have a bad experience and you know what you can expect. And mm. I, I get a little bit of that feeling with craft beer. If, if enough people try enough bad craft beer, even though there are some amazing ones... If they try enough that are disappointing, sooner or later, um, Little Creatures, which is a great pile-up, or you know Little Creatures IPA, um, those bigger brands are the ones that people gravitate towards, um, and they, again, come to be the only thing left on the landscape.
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of those people are going to go back to, to Carton Draft or, or Tuis or Forex uh, at some point, just because... You know, it kind of, it still takes a lot of work and a lot more money to enjoy craft beer. Uh, And I think people were probably, some people are going to get a little bit tired of that and end up just going, "Bugger it!" I'll just go down to the pub and and not think about it anymore Um, and sort of fall back into that that routine because I know that it's, you know, I know what it is. Um, I don't hate it that, as much as, as I always thought I, I did or, you know, all my mates there at the pub drinking it, so it's just easier.
0: You, you don't um, think that tastes have changed? Because you, you actually went back to the traditional lager beers. You don't think that taste will change and so people will have that make that same thought process but have
2: I, still I, slightly I taste, think it's,
0: changed tastes?
2: I think there's probably going to be an ebb and flow of, of people going back and forward. Uh, I think some people will just go back and, you know... Uh, go back to cut and draft or whatever and there, but while they're doing that, there'll be other people sort of making the leap over to, to something a little bit more flavorful.
0: Um, okay. Look, um, point two that you made, AB InBev will slide in and really shake up the market here over the next 12 months. Expect to see some goose Island and a massive rejig of the premium craft, uh, premium and craft offerings of CB. And I'll, I believe they'll acquire at least one medium to large brewery. lot going on in there. Do you want to give us an
2: overview? <laughs> um, well, yeah, the, it's interesting looking at uh, how now that AB Bev sort of owns CUB, how out of step CUB is with the craft offerings of AB Bev, or, or how their their strategy seems to be playing out in the in the US. Uh, and just this morning, it was announced uh, that the Goose Island are opening up at least one pub in the UK. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a brew pub. I can't quite remember, but they're already kind of using Goose Island to spearhead their craft offerings um, in the the UK and and kind of use that as their flagship. Uh, And given, you know, we've we've sort of seen Fat Yak uh, and Matilda Bay kind of still selling a lot, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of direction there from a a consumer standpoint. Um, So I, I, I can see that, yeah, Goose Island will probably end up at least being part of their strategy here. Uh, whether or not it's a, a flagship or a couple of one-off releases. But, you know, it does. that would be in line with what they're doing in other places.
0: Um, and you also talk about the rejig of the premium and craft offerings. One of the things that you've uh, lamented uh, a number of times, as have Prof and I, is Matilda Bay. And it, yep. it's a brand that I've actually offered to CUB to take over. If they're not using it, could I borrow it for a, you know, a couple of months? <laughs> Um, just because it's such a strong, potentially such a strong brand with such great beers, and you just get the sense that Cub does not get
2: the the, the the market. No, they um, and even down to, and I guess one of the things I've complained about the most with that is the branding of Fat Yak and Matilda Bay. You know, they, they split off the the Yak brands, but they're still Matilda Bay, like yes, yes. Well,
0: because they, do, they don't know what to do hmm. with Matilda Bay, so they want to just keep it alive even just in a small print on the
2: bottle yeah yeah and even if you go to the Matilda Bay website it lists the Yak brands but then if you click through to the Matilda Bay Facebook it's now the Yak Facebook yep. so just kind of tiny little things like that and it, that already you know that suggests sort of wider confusion uh, if they can't sort of get that basic thing right I kind of wonder how much are you actually looking at the long term with this?
0: Well, I've said that to uh, uh, a couple of the, you know, the, the senior guys there over a long period of time. Um, and mm. I've had all sorts of different uh, explanations for why. You know, it was because we're, our focus is on Southcorp um, when they were in the wine business. And then, you know, we're coming to terms with our um, SAB Miller acquisition. Um, but I, I ultimately, mm. I just get this sense that they still don't see craft beer, for want of a better term, as a thing. Um They, no. they still see premium. They, they In fact, they equate it with premium, the premium category, um, and they put all of their effort into premium. As uh, I said most recently, you know we put our weight behind the oar that moves the boat, and they don't see craft beer as being something that's a major contributor um, and, by implication, not
2: looming large on the
0: horizon either.
2: Mm. And, and you know, from their perspective, it probably isn't because they're still selling a lot of beer. So, uh, you know, why change your winning formula? But as I guess we're seeing how rapidly people are adopting craft beer and, and that I, I, it does look like they're going to be left behind when they could have been ahead of the market with, um, you know, your, your Matilda Bay spearheading that. It, but in so many ways, they could have been ahead of the bay,
0: uh, ahead of the um, game. Um, you know, you go back to when Cascade Brewery had the Four season, Seasons range, including the very first hop harvest beer um, that, that I can identify. Um, you know, dare we say the uh, you know Crown um, Ambassador, which was the super premium range, and we're seeing a lot of people willing to drop big amounts of money. Uh, for super premium beer. Um, even you know, with Matilda Bay and Big Helga, they anticipated uh, well before the market um, the rise of the craft lager. And we're going to yep. get to that um, very soon. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's frustrating to see that you know they tried to turn Cascade into a craft brand and in doing so have basically killed the brand. Um, Matilda Bay mm. they've never been able to capitalise on and uh, Yak has taken off almost as a thing of its own, and so now they're trying to hitch their wagon to, to that, um, you know, uh, rarest of things, um, you know, a, a successful beer that they've got.
2: Yeah. Well, one of the interesting things is the Matilda Bay Brew Pub, which uh, I think, Prof, you were there with uh, the focus group before that that was built.
1: Yeah, back and, in South Melbourne many years ago now.
2: Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that never really worked for them, and obviously they they, they sort of... Uh, killed that off and I went there the other week because uh, now it's a colonial brewery and you can still see the old Matilda Bay signage on the, the side of the building there uh, and you walk in and there's this amazing vibrant space full of people uh, they've just done such a good job and you sort of think you know this could have been it could have been it, yeah. It, yeah it shows exactly what they they could have done with it you know there's two food trucks there was a DJ uh, there's a pool table, and it was just this kind of vibrant, exciting spa- space with with great beer and full of people. Mm.
1: And I, I, you and I actually—that that was uh, the time we met at that focus group. You and I met for the first time, Luke. There you go. Small so piece I do You look back now at, at, at what's transpired with Matilda Bay. Um, did we have absolutely no idea what to, you know, what we were talking about back then, or did they completely ignore what we said?
2: Well, I, I remember saying to them that their beers the beers to me have never looked like the same brand uh and that was you know something they always something they always struggled with and I I kind of mentioned that at the time and that was kind of ignored um and then and they, particularly you
1: know, when you when you compare that to the James Squire range which is all very um you know uniform branding so it's all if you like a James Squire beer it's easy to pick them all out and go oh there's a different one there's one I haven't had the um, I believe the justification for Matilda Bay was if you grab a fat yak, oh, that's a bit too flavourful for me, you're not going to be put off trying a Redback because you don't know that it's a, it's a different brand to you. It doesn't necessarily, you know, I don't like that one, so I won't try the rest. You'll, you'll accidentally try the rest, which I I thought was, yeah, perhaps not the, the smartest way to go about it.
2: No, and then uh, two or three years ago they had those billboards saying, uh, you know, fat yak the family. Plus, yeah, yeah. Plus, we have these other ones, by the way, uh, which was kind of a weird way to do it. <laughs> well, that but was because I had this. I'm successful- saying,
1: we don't. Yeah, but- we don't care about those ones. We, there's fat yak, and there's some other shit you might like to try. <laughs>
0: Oh, well, it was actually trying to... Because Spat Yak was lightning in a bottle, they had a beer that was the right yeah. beer with the right... You know, the, the Yak name was just very strong and it resonated with people. And that actually marked a, a change for them. And if you go through the old IP records, you can see all of the names that they trademarked um, in anticipation of potential um, beers. Um, you know, Lagerita was there and all of these different things. And the next beer they launched after that was Big Helga. Um with you know, the, the, the zany story and trying to recapture what they did with Fat Yak. But Fat Yak was just one of those lightning in a bottle moments. And then they spent the rest of the um, time trying to, before they hived Yak ales off, trying to leverage off the success of that beer and you know advertise. And, and, and that's their approach, putting big billboards up with Yak ales. And these are the other beers you might like to try because they're just as good as Yak. Mm. But the, the, the big one um, that we haven't got around to in that too is they'll acquire at least one medium to large brewery. And like all uh, good horoscopes, you've uh, not been
2: too specific. <laughs> um, I, I, I definitely have no no insight uh, or, or no rumours going around. And every time I hear a rumour about buyouts, it's 90% of the time wrong. So um, I'll, I'll state that I... I, I that isn't something I, I know, and I'm just kind of pretending, you know, that I don't know yet. Um, <laughs> I don't actually. <laughs> the, the,
1: the top four hasn't. The top four in the betting order hasn't changed. If you if you go to the bookies, it's the same four every time. It's just the order changes, pretty much as to which one it's going to be.
0: Okay, well, um, we'll try and nail you down. If you were um, in charge of the acquisitions team for CUB, who would you whose door would you be knocking on?
2: Oh, I. <laughs> that's such Come a good question. Um I don't know. Uh, I. The the kind of there was a an article and I can't remember where I read it and I wish I can um, wish I could but they were talking about when you look at takeover targets it's generally a medium sized brewery or, or a large brewery that's suddenly expanded uh, and then if you come along and offer the money they're going to probably need that money a bit more um, so I don't know if you're looking at people that have expanded recently. Um, that's probably a good start. That's <laughs> well, <Somewhere. actually> everybody, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Um, like the, the big, the big ones that I think anyone would love to get. Say, if I, I had a lot of money and I was looking at it, would be hawkers would be a big one. Uh, I don't think that'd ever sell, but yeah, that'd be very attractive. Uh, and Thunder Road would be a, an interesting target. Do you think, uh, mostly, <laughs> do you think Philip? I, I actually think Philip. Neither be of best. those are in the top four. Yeah, no, I know that neither I, of them would probably sell, but man, uh, in terms of beautiful facilities, big footprint, and uh, support staff, they've they've got it all. True,
0: and and they're certainly out there. But I, I mean, I, I think uh, in in terms of being likely to sell, Muzzin is much more likely to sell than Philip Withers, particularly to one of the big two. Um, so <laughs> Muzzin yeah. is much more of a businessman, and you know, <laughs> I, I, I think a big part of his and. Hello to Muslin, if you're listening. Um, I, I think a big part of his strategy is. Oh, he's listening. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a call. Um, a, a big part of the strategy, you know, is he, you know, he, he has his views that he is a very effective marketer at communicating his views. But at the end of the day, he's a businessman and uh, hmm. wouldn't say no to the right number of zeros. Um, and again...
1: I, I can I can tell you now, Matt. I'll, I'll guarantee. Write it down now. Set it in stone. Whatever you want to do. Uh, Muzzin is more likely to buy AB InBev, Cub, Sab Miller than they are to buy him. <laughs> okay,
2: and and yeah, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm the death star is not for sale.
2: I'm basing that basically on on who I think would be a great purchase, not who I think would sell for sure.
0: No, no, yeah, exactly. Um, and again, I, I don't know um, Muzzin well enough to to know whether he would, but uh, I know Philip well enough to to imagine that uh, he most likely wouldn't.
2: I, I guess one of the things every time there's a buyout anywhere, and particularly in the US. Recently, uh it's always been a little bit surprising who it is, uh, particularly with A B and Bef. They've kind of gone for some um sort of smaller kind of regional brands rather than the, the you know the big the big names so uh I, I guess anything anything would be guesswork on my behalf mm. Prof, who, who, do you,
0: no, who, who do you think would be the uh, uh most likely
1: target? If 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 I had the open checkbook at, um, at, at AB InBev and didn't know anything else about craft, I guess, you know, your you first, your name at Stone & Wood, I would have thought first. Um, and, and I say that um, knowing what they don't know, which is that you wouldn't get it, I would think. Um, I would think Four Pines. I would think Young Henry's. I would think Rocks because um, I think you'd want to look at, I guess, a growing brand. Um, that's got a bit of penetration in the market, um, and they're they're the ones that are often, you know, or, or always kicked around as oh, I've heard something. Well, you probably haven't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, but we've well, it, heard it from someone else who's got no idea.
0: When when you trace the the rumours back, it's almost invariably a bottle shop attendant has told another sales rep,
1: who has been told by a sales rep from another brewery. Um, so you can see a dynamic in play. Yeah. Dare dare we say it? It possibly started with someone in the telephone booth gang. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, was, I, think, I think I got in trouble last time I mentioned the tele-
2: telephone <laughs> booth. Look, me- mention it officially. Uh, no, it was a, a, uh, uh, well, let's not say anything more about that one. That's a, a no, no, but.
1: Let me just put on the record that Luke is not one of the telephone booth gang.
2: <laughs> but he I may like like- <laughs> he may yet be a hipster, and we'll come to that later. <laughs> um, I-, I guess just on that that sort of medium to large one, I think it kind of does tie in with the next uh, point, the next prediction I made, which is someone's not going to survive um, the next 12 probably next 24 months I think there's going to be a few breweries that are, uh, are probably um, not doing as well as we think they, they should be or could be uh, and I think those guys will be the ones that might end up selling, maybe not to AB and Bev, but to, to another bigger player
0: and what do you think the dynamic is at play there? In in your list, um, you say that uh, you know um, of some who have anecdotally have struggled over the long winter in, in Australia. So, yep. you know, obviously a cash flow lean time compared to summer. Um, yeah. Did what, what do you see as the dynamic? It's a, a brewery that maybe is overcapitalised and not filling that volume or is it a brewery that can't, you know, has... Uh, capacity but not getting taps or
2: i i think it's yeah uh, a combination where increased shelf, increased competition in the shelf space uh and then maybe not having a, a bigger footprint but then they've invested quite a bit of money into you know uh, tank space or whatever and then trying to compete in that market and we all know we all know why top tap contracts are good for example because you've got a guaranteed you know you've got a guaranteed sale somewhere uh, and a lot of these breweries obviously don't have that uh, or, or can't, or you know, can't do it or don't want to do it. So they're not getting that constant turnover. And yeah, I think anecdotally there's a lot of people that uh, are not really selling as much as they, they think thought they would be.
0: Yeah. And it, it, it's, I've come at, That same issue uh, a different way a number of times when Prof and I have chatted in looking at breweries that seem to start with the expectation that there's a nation who wants to buy their beer. Um, And so they've concentrated on selling beer around the country without having a strong local brand and a strong local footprint. Um, (sighs) And as we see more and more breweries um, coming up um, and, and, and launching, we're seeing a faster expansion in the number of breweries that are coming than we are of venues, um, existing venues that are transitioning their taps into uh, independent beer, um, mm. and also and running parallel to that is the number of small venues that are on very very thin margins as well.
2: Yeah, the the, the local ones are a big one. Like I'm seeing my kind of local brew pubs around here. Uh, they're building that footprint and they're getting those repeat customers and they're kind of getting that, that guaranteed business. Uh, and you look at what BrewCold are doing. I know you, you spoke to Hendo recently and, you know, it's his way of, of guaranteeing that his beers are going to be on tap.
1: Yeah, and it also brings Sorry, in off. a sharp focus. I think the importance of having the um, uh, that uh, point – that the customer can that your potential customer or your customer can go to to experience the whole range. Um, There are so many individual SKUs out on the shelves now that I can see part of the problem in the next 12, 24 months is that people are going to go in and go, well, hang, well, hang. Oh, I recognize that. That's the yak thing boom, you're going to go for that. Um, I think we need far fewer. I'd like to see maybe, you know, breweries opening up and, and rather than having, a, you know, a core range of eight beers or six beers or five beers, maybe just concentrating on um, it. And look, let's use the stone and wood model again, um, just Pacific Ale and, and, just, and just get that, you know, the excitement and whatever and it's just available locally until everyone comes knocking on your door and saying, no, we want this, you know. Um, and be smart about it. Um, and I think too, Luke, you touched on. Uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the future of craft beer. I think is is um, linked to the brew pub mm. because I think you you get that apart from the fact that you um, can use a similar number of staff in different areas and, and multi skill people. You know, you can you can get people helping out on labeling, bottling, cleaning, packaging, um, you know, goods inward, all that sort of stuff, as well as um, you know, training them to to um, work as Uh, on the the hospitality side and it also gives you then retail um, distribution and hospitality as three streams of revenue Um, and it teaches you how i guess to you know work small and and really build a following Um, and i'll look at a shout out to bad shepherd and wolf of the willows who have got a great little local following Mm. um Really building great brand loyalty. Every one of those people, a, is a free you know market research focus group R and D department. You know what do you think of that? New or oh, here, try this, uh, and you get that immediate feedback. But they're also then walking, talking free advertisements for your brand.
2: Yeah, and and Bad Shepherd's a uh, and Wolf of the Woes are a great one where, you know, you go out to that brew pub and people are, it's it's such a nice atmosphere. People are really engaged in the beers. And they're selling a big range of, of interesting beer as well. It's not just, um, you know, a, a couple of pails. There's a really, like, I know I can go out there as a, you know, a, a beer geek and find at least five or six beers that I'd absolutely love to drink all night. So it's, um, yeah, it's a, gr- a, a great setup out there.
0: The one thing, and, and I agree with both of you, and it, it's, I think the best way to establish a strong local footprint is for the breweries to have a, a, a brew pub model. The feedback loop that I worry about from that is that with the margins of a lot of the small independent venues being so thin that the brew pub is going to start cannibalising the business of the independent uh, bar, um, particularly with a lot of the brew pubs having the majority of their beers on tap but a couple of guest taps, um, and they become you know uh, something that draws people away from other bars.
1: A de facto local bar. It becomes a
0: de facto local bar, which puts pressure on the independent, uh, you know, bars that don't have a brewery, um, which we might see them closing as well. We might be pouring um, a, a beer out for, um, for for local bars as well, which then leaves the bigger uh, traditional pubs that tend to gravitate towards the bigger breweries. Um,
1: Matt? Matt, dare we, dare we say perhaps some of those local bars feeling pressure might uh, want to consider taking six IPAs of, of their eight taps off and perhaps changing it to something a little bit more approachable or, <laughs> or, or a, a, a broader range. Was that a segue there, Prof? No, that was a callback to last week.
0: Oh, okay,
1: because <laughs> that. okay, it, it brings in nicely points four and
0: five. But did, what, what, what do you think of that, Luke? Well, do, you, do you think there well, is a bit of, that they may cannibalise camp- some of their um, clients?
2: Isn't I guess isn't that what hospitality is always about anyway? Uh, trends change, people change. Uh, yeah, for
1: sure.
2: And, and the, the nature of hospitality is, you know, what worked two years ago isn't working anymore. Uh, a tapas wine bar was really exciting here in Melbourne 10 years ago, opening up one now probably not going to do that well. Uh, so No,
1: but that part of that's – and social media is a great uh, driver of that. I think part of it is the education. I mean, once people worked out that, you know, tapas is a Spanish word for $4 olive, um, <laughs> it, it, people get caught out. It's like um, – and a shout-out Andy Davidson yesterday posted, uh, who's well-known in the ANHC um, uh, side of, of, of beer, um, lamenting the fact that, um, you know, you've got a, a food truck in Collins Street but it's more expensive than, you know, like, that's supposed to be street food. And all of a sudden it's, <laughs> and he said, is Melbourne too cool to care? You know, street food should be, that, that should be the cheap option. It, it's not, it shouldn't be the same price or, or more than, you know, sitting down in a little laneway cafe. Um, so I think sometimes we need to, yeah, all those factors need to come into it.
2: And, but when you look at, uh, I guess Tappas is a pretty good example, uh, you look at the people that were good at it or, and are still good at it in, in Melbourne, places like Movida um, and Ananda, uh, they do really well. Oh wait, did another close down? Movida still there. <laughs>
1: um,
2: <laughs> they, uh, they, there's they, always they, an
1: exception that proves the rule, Luke.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, good businesses are, are going to survive because they're good businesses, uh, regardless of, of the trends going around them. Uh, I think, and you know, so yeah, places might not survive uh, in terms of you know the different models will be changing, but. Uh, that's well,
1: it gets back to price, like we were talking about initially. I guess you know, keeping things perhaps you know, or having simpler options, um, means that you know people will still pop in because look, I'm a bit skint this week, but I I can still afford something.
2: And also, um, yeah, every every suburb uh, or every town has a couple of pubs and maybe one brewery. I I sort of think they can kind of fit in naturally into that that landscape without almost cannibalizing cannibalizing the, the local pub for sure.
0: Yeah, the the sad thing for me um, in in seeing that is that it was the rise of the small bars, particularly in Brisbane, which I can speak much more um, knowledgeably about than Melbourne. But um, it was the rise of the small bars that created what we're now seeing as the growth of craft beer in Brisbane, because the big established hotels had no interest um, in... Taking on independent craft beer. And I, you know, going back, you know, even seven, eight years, trying to talk to them about, you know, why aren't you putting on these beers? And they talked about price, they had established uh, contracts, they only wanted a limited number of um, suppliers. There's a whole range of reasons for them to do it. It was the proof of concept that small bars offered by taking on these, uh, taking a chance with these beers, finding that there was this latent demand for them that drove the bigger venues to. Uh, start putting um, the, the bigger craft beers and even you know, a lot of them have a rotating tap for, for the small breweries. Yet, and then that's putting pressure on the small bars because just because of the scale of these bigger venues. Um, but then to suddenly be competing against the people that who you've been supporting through your business as well. I, I don't quite see it as like the old video store being put out of business because times of, you know, that you upgrade to DVD, but then suddenly streaming comes along. I don't quite see it as the the, the same thing. Um, I see it as, you know, uh, a lot of these brewers are setting themselves up in competition with the small bars because there'll always be hotels, but um, there may not be small bars.
2: I guess one, one of the interesting, um, one, one of the really good things I've seen recently is uh, I'm not too far away from Two Birds and there's a pub near me as well that has two birds on tap and chatting to the, the owner of the pub, uh, you know, it's not a craft beer venue. They, I think they have two birds in stone and wood, um, but they're a music venue and they just want to support independent and local local things. So they'll, they'll chuck on two birds uh, and they love the fact that it's just down the road and it kind of complements what they have as a pub already, which is live music and, you know, good food. Uh, so I guess See, seeing how the beer can complement what what the bar does, rather than you know competing with it, um, I, I think is probably the best way forward. Because you know people don't always just go to a bar to drink beer and talk about beer; they go to socialise and maybe see a band or eat, eat a meal, kind of a thing. So craft beer can and local craft beer can kind of integrate with that quite quite nicely, I think. Which brings in the other night well a, a,
0: a trend that uh, I've noticed and uh, continue to see is that. You can't just open a place and call yourself a craft beer bar and have people flock to it. Maybe five years ago, you know, like street like food trucks or whatever, people would flock to it just because it's a new and interesting thing. Small bars are hospitality offerings. And whether it's a music venue or uh, we, we spoke to Ben from the, the Scratch recently who's opening a gaming venue. Um, and, yeah, just a standalone craft beer bar is a thing that might have just been a you know, four or five year aberration.
2: Yeah, I, I think there's probably still still place for the, I guess, the upper end of that. But, uh, you know, m- most people still want to just go have a beer and, you know, watch the footy or play a game of pool. Uh, and, yeah, I, I think that's kind of becoming increasingly part of it, you know, the the other things to do rather than just sniffer, a, sniff a paddle of a beer.
1: Yeah, and the more opportunities you give your punters to spend money, the more money you will make.
2: I'd agree with that, yeah.
0: Cool. Well, uh, point number four. Now, it's point four and five, um, uh, the things that Prof and I have been banging on about recently. Um, Writers, brewers, and enlightened drinkers will continue to lecture us that we should appreciate lager more and keep pushing the narrative that there aren't really enough on the market. In reality, there are a heap more than there have ever been and the best are and, uh, available. And I'm going to introduce five at the same time. IPAs will blow up bigger um, in the Australian market. If you're one of those, oh, my God, too many IPA types, then strap yourself in because they are only just getting started.
1: Um, I hope I, I wasn't that line with that crack about too many IPAs before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, 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 I think it's funny, and, and, and this is one of the things where I look at Um, our respective um, approaches, because I haven't done a count, but if you were to look at the number of IPAs versus the number of, you know, whether it's gateway beers or whether it's the number of, you know, um, craft lagers, I would hazard a guess that there were far more IPAs than there are craft lagers, and yet you sort of see plenty of uh, room for IPAs to grow. But I just picked a, a note up that you think that there are already enough gateway beers or craft lagers.
2: No, I, I don't think there's already enough. I guess, I guess the, the lager one. Um, I'll start with that because the the thing that, that kind of stands out to me at the moment is everyone's anxious about lagers. There's a real anxiety about whether or not we appreciate lagers, whether or not we should appreciate lagers, uh, who's making lagers, how many lagers there are. When you no, know, there are there are a lot of really good lagers there on the market, and there's definitely a lot more than there were say two or three years ago. But it, it still seems to be that anxiety towards them from craft beer drinkers where we we like to be seen to be, uh, you know, loving lagers and, oh, we've got to have more lagers and lagers are the, you know, the true example of a, a beer. Um, and I, I guess I feel like we're, we're being told that constantly uh, when, you know, I can get a, a lot of really good lagers now and that's good, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs>
1: I know you and Dave both uh, often talk about
2: lagers, and uh, I think gold nails your second favourite style, isn't it? Well, see, I, I really love lagers, and I think you know there are some really good ones in the market, and there's some really bad ones in the market as well. Uh, and I can get a lot more than I could, you know, two years ago. And um, I wonder whether yeah, gone. Sorry. And and I I think there just kind of seems to be this. It's almost a pushback on on the IPAs where. Uh, people have sort of determined to let everyone know that you know we should be drinking more lagers and and lagers are okay to okay to drink uh, and mm. you know I I think they are okay to drink but I don't know if we need to always talk about that.
1: It, is it the breweries though? I guess talking to the ninety five percent who don't drink craft beer at the moment saying look, you can come across a craft beer and you can enjoy beer similar to what you've grown up on or what you're used to, what you're familiar with and, and, and happy to drink um, and, and that you get or understand. Um, and the other, I don't know, maybe there's, a, there's another side to it as well, um, which is that, um, yeah, there's only so much IPA that our IPA lovers can can physically drink, but it, whereas, you know, the, the other guys at the other end can perhaps drink more lager.
2: Yeah, um, I guess man, there's, there's so many conflicting points or, or points that I want to talk about. Um, the the thing about, or the thing that I see with um, the the gateway beer aspect is, if I was kind of a punter that, um, and it comes back to what we talked about at the start of, if I was buying a case of beer and they said, oh, it's really similar to what you've been drinking, it's just twice the price, I don't know why I would. <laughs> jump over to that <laughs> um, or you know here's the thing that's quite different and there's a lot more going on and it's interesting and uh you know and this is why it's twice the price i might be more inclined to to see that if i don't enjoy it then you know maybe i, I will go back but yeah i always kind of see that that sort of gateway beer attempt to to approximate what the big players are doing for twice the price is a, a weird sell to me Although again, that
0: brings back takes us back to the, the whole thing of price. Um, but again, for, for me, there's a whole lot of things wrapped up in that as well. And you identified paying twice the price for fundamentally the same product as we've been drinking, and mm. that, um, from my recollection, is what killed the you know surge of the, the comparatively small surge of craft uh, or of small breweries back in the late '80s um, when we saw a whole flowering of uh, breweries. But this thing, you know, hops. Weren't really embraced at that stage, you know, the big hop flavours that have driven this um, craft beer wave. And so they were making premium lagers, they were making, you know, English ish ales, um, but none of the beers were drastically different from what people had elsewhere. They were just boutique y, um, which was, mm. and again, this is going to come to the next point I'm making, but in the day of the yuppie, they were willing to pay twice as much for something that was only marginally different. But that fad came and went very, very quickly, and with it, the breweries. Um, The thing that drove uh, the modern small brewery brewery revolution was the hop revolution, where we started looking for beers that were fundamentally different because of the big hop aromas and the much bigger hop flavours that um, came than went before, Um, which, again, is an argument against the gateway beers that don't have that um, element.
2: Yeah, and I don't think... I think there seems to be the sense uh, around the gateway beers where everyone's trying to make the same or a similar beer to to what's selling at the moment uh you know mountain goat summer ale is a pretty good example where if you had have said five years ago to to the big breweries if you want to you know put out a, a beer in a can and call it a summer ale and it'll sell a lot they would probably laugh at you and say can beers is never going to take off um mountain goat do it sells really well and now we get Dog Days, um, Four Pines have got their sort of summer ale. Uh, You know, even Mountain Goat's stable mate cricketer's arms have a a summer ale and an orange can. So everyone's trying to sort of recreate that uh, when that kind of already exists, uh, and and without kind of giving it a a unique identity. Uh, So, you know, there's so many, I guess, so many gateway beers that are very similar, that it's kind of hard to stand out in that market for a lot of people I I think the
0: one element that you you may or may not be missing but I haven't heard you discuss um, and it's something that I heard from Coopers when they first started trying to brew lager no one could work out why Coopers was trying to do a lager because it just never went very well but the reason that I was given and same with their low-carb beer was because when publicans want to deal with you know Coopers was always that extra tap Um, if they had an extra tap Coopers would get one beer on, and it was very hard for Coopers to grow with just one beer on. And the growth in the Coopers portfolio has been very strategic, and they wanted a lager because when they went in, they wanted to provide be a one-stop shop, um, and publicans didn't just want else. They wanted to have a lager. They wanted to have a mid-strength. They wanted to have you know, an X, and they wanted to have a Y, they wanted to have an international. And so Coopers has gradually added all of those things to their portfolio. and. Uh, you know, with a brewery that maybe makes a spectacularly good ipa that 's great, but I, I think they want to have a range that they can offer um, rather than just be known for one beer and most publicans do want a volume seller golden ale whether it 's a colshire a golden ale, um, you know a summer a summer ale um, they want a brewery that can provide that as well, and quite often you hear the brewers talk privately when they bring out a beer like um, you know, uh, a a summer ale, it's been at the request of bottle shops or it's been at the request of publicans, why don't you guys do AX or why don't you guys do a beer like Stone and Wood? So it seems to be just as often demand for it or trying to have that strategic element um, as opposed to just saying, hey, let's jump on that bandwagon. It's almost being thrown onto the bandwagon.
2: Hmm. Yeah, and that's, I guess, uh, from my, my perspective, I don't really see that side so... Uh, I I can definitely see that that reasoning. I I just, I sort of worry that, you know, if if we're kind of, this is what's selling and, you know, so we everyone should sort of make one of these, uh, we end up with essentially what we started with. Uh, And I think that was what Brendan Barris was talking about in in Brews News uh, yesterday or the day before, where there's a lot of these kind of similar beers on the market and, you know, if all we're going to end up as these beers, then what? Yeah, what's kind of there's nothing exciting there anymore.
1: It, it, Did somebody exactly. say too many SKUs? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll have to get you on more regularly because there's still I've got about thirty open windows in my browser of things I wanted to talk about, and we're already up for an hour just talking about the the first five. Um, but again, all of which, when you unpack that list, which is why uh, the the list really, um Spurred this this chat, and one of them is uh, back in December last year, you had a um, a post your beer list is too long and it's hurting your business. Um, yes. Uh, you're sort of looking at the sort of tyranny of choice, um, essentially. Um, and, you know, I, I sort of ag- agree that there are so many of them, um, but then again, it's for me, it's not the lack of. Style diversity as much as it is the lack of players um, in, in, in the market um, because if you 've got thirty players everyone you know and they're all making a golden ale they're still going to be differentiating themselves from the rest of the market in in other elements um, whether it's their branding or the rest of their range or their uh, approach to marketing um, they are going to be dis- distinguishing themselves and ultimately it's the consumers, what the consumers are buying that determines the beer market Um, so I am always would prefer to have 30 players making the same beer to safeguard the market than just to say well we've got enough of X style
2: I I think for me um, I want to see I guess a genuine attempt or, or something that's genuinely interesting about the beer or the packaging or the story uh, so you know, if we end up with with say thirty gold nails that are all uh, they all you know ninety percent of the time they come with the same press release. We want to make an approachable beer, or a gateway beer. Uh, they'll tell me there's too many IPAs on the market,
0: which is, a, which is another post <laughs> that you've made. Yeah, <laughs> um, the, the, the the template, useful template for brewers to use.
2: Yeah, yeah, and you know, so so seeing that that same thing over and over again where. They're telling me all these reasons sort of justifying why they're making this beer. Um, I'd just rather they said we made a really good beer and we think it's a good beer, not, you know, here's kind of these same reasons that everyone else gives. Uh, And I guess thinking back to, say, the Two Birds Golden Ale, uh, you know, I think that's a a great beer and every time I have it fresh, it's delicious and I really like their story. Uh, And, you know, I know that Jane really likes making those kind of... uh, Styles that are not too aggressive, really easy drinking and easy balance. So, I think that's a better sell for me. Um, the brewer really likes this beer, and it's a, a you know a style that we we really enjoy. Rather than we're making it because we want people to, but we're making it approachable and gateway and dumbing it down. is seems to be the a lot of the rhetoric around it. Mm, and, and I mean that's a really good point. And
0: I guess that's what I was. Um highlighting is that it's not necessarily the beer style but it's the story behind the beer and the way that they differentiate themselves and i've been doing a little bit of wrapping for the last couple of weeks and uh two birds is one of the ones that uh, is in the portfolio that i'm out uh repping um but it's a very easy sell in a sense except their beer up here is quite expensive but it's a very easy sell because you get to tell the story of the two birds it's the first uh you know female owned brewery they make really good solid styles this is Jane's background coming up through little creatures and uh, um, mountain goat start her own brewery. It's a very easy sell um There are other breweries that are making a similar golden ale um, that don't have that easy sell to them um and but the, the the beer is exactly the same i i I guess that's where we are going to see the market. you know people do have a bit of a bullshit detector that if it is just coming out as being well, we've made this beer because it's easy to drink and you'll drink lots of it they do get found out because the market has no reason to buy that golden ale over two birds golden ale for example
2: mm, mm. and it's yeah there's, there's kind of that old saying is it's, it's what's in the glass that matters but there's so much more wrapped into it uh than that as as you know the story the packaging uh, your attachment to a brand, your attachment to, say, independence or, or reliability uh, is mm. you know, all rolled into And I think someone like Two Birds is probably a really good example of that.
0: Now, you don't have the same fear that, um, as I said, uh, in, interesting this, in, in, um, into, in leading into this question, you don't have the same fear that IPAs are exactly the same, whilst they're a, a, a more fuller-flavoured, arguably inherently more interesting beer. If you've got yep. 60, 70, 80 breweries all pushing their version of the ipa with you know a, a similarly generic media release people love hops we wanted to have a you know mouthful of hop cones we've got the you know IBU beer as if that is the sole determinant of quality in the ipa uh, range you, you, yep. you don't have the same fears in the ipa space you have in the sort of lighter golden ale space
2: oh uh, i think with with ipas in australia there and this is probably a bit unfair, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's not a whole lot of really good ones yet. Uh, I think we're only just getting to the point where there's, you know, with with gold nails, as you said, there's there's two birds, and there's a lot of uh, really similar quality ones out there. With IPAs, I don't know if Australian IPAs as a whole are good yet. Uh, there are some really good ones, and there's a lot of really poor ones, and I think IPAs are kind of getting a free pass at the moment for people excited by the style and excited by the big flavors. but I think eventually we're going people are going to realize that some of them aren't as good as, as what they you know when they compare it to a really good version uh, that, that they're not probably that good. And now we're starting to see some really good ones at the market. Pirate Life are a good example. Uh, the, the stockade one that I've been really enjoying the 8-bit I think it's called. Uh, and they're and they're becoming sort of. I think the the level of IPAs driven by those kinds are going to lift it, and then we're going to see, I guess, more um, examples of of good ones. Hopefully, was that unfair on people that are making IPAs in Australia? No, no. I, I, I was no,
0: actually no. su- surprised because that's something uh, that Pete and I've uh, said maybe behind our hands a little bit, but uh, <laughs> I in, in, entirely agree. There has, and I would describe it as being. You know, like when people first get into spicy foods, they want the hottest thing, not necessarily looking at what other flavours they pick up. And a lot of the fairly ordinary hops, uh, IPAs, are purely about um, overwhelming the, the, the drinker with hops without actually looking at mm. other elements of the style.
2: Well, one of the big problems, and, and people that listen to, to my podcast would have heard us talking about it probably every episode of the last year, uh, and that's crystal malt and, and sort of really malty, uh, IPAs sold as, as West Coast IPAs, and for me that uh, is not sort of what a West Coast IPA is, and it's kind of uh, overruns the palate uh, with kind of sweety sweet maltness and caramel flavors that kind of disrupt from what I what I like in an IPA, and I think what you know we see in the West Coast of the US uh, in that sort of true, really crisp, clean, uh, vibrant, lean uh, IPA.
0: Uh, okay, well, that takes us through your list. Would You didn't have any other pred-
2: uh, predictions you left on the floor or you've uh, thought of since? Oh, I think I did, but uh, they're probably not even as fully formed as those ones. Uh, I, I or, think you could, the, or you couldn't find a gift to illustrate them. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I'm not going to lie. At least one of those was made because of the gift that I had. <laughs> um, I guess the, 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 the one of the things I said in the opening was... Um, You know, there's a lot happening right now, and no one's really sure what's happening. Uh, You know, this is also new to us. We haven't really seen uh, many brands or or many sort of industries, probably wine went through something similar, but, you know, it's all sort of happening, it's all new, and it's all happening quickly, that it's anyone's guess how it's going to pan out in the next, say, five to ten years, you know, whether or not... uh, you know, it's going to be all buyouts, whether or not we're going to keep this level of independence and growth, or whether or not the market's going to give up and all we'll start drinking gin. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I guess for all this, all this prediction uh, and all, all the analysis that people are doing, it's hard to say how it's all going to play out. I think. Uh, well, just in terms
0: of analysing your list and uh, you know how, how accurate you are we're not going to know that until next year but in March of this year uh, you did have a trend watch um, column looking at fast delivery and vertical integration um, and then uh, you had some uh, thoughts on MOKU the yes. Museum of Curated Beers I think it was called uh,
2: uh, Modern curation Gallery Modern
0: Curation that's right not mm. Museum of uh, Curated
2: but uh, yeah so
0: you know You identified back in March that this may be a thing. Uh, Lion has uh, come out with something along those lines of, uh, you know, having their own uh, uh, stream to uh, uh, the the, the customer. Did you Mm -hmm. want to have a bit of a chat about, expand your thoughts about the Lion uh, MoQ?
2: Yeah, uh, I I think it's a great idea from from their perspective for getting those... um, small releases up there and then tying it in with, you know, $50 delivery to be free. So if I want a, a very hoppy hour from Little Creatures, which is something that I would quite like to try, you know, and I see a $50 delivery, chances are I'll buy a couple of other Emerson's beers or uh, Panhead beers as well, which I know that I can't get anywhere else. So I think it's a, a really good idea for them. Uh, I don't love the execution. However, I think the website's pretty clumsy and, and a bit overwhelming. <sighs> Uh, but you know, I think for someone like Lion that has warehouses and um, you know places in, in most states where they can probably get these things out pretty quickly, at least to you know say Melbourne or Sydney, uh, it makes sense because because that's where you know people love shopping online at the moment, and that's where a lot of people are shopping. You can if I can sit at my desk at work and buy a six pack of beer and know I'm going to get it delivered before Friday, that's that's you know it's a no-brainer. The issue, because you
0: you were very, I think it's fair to say you were very critical um, of the execution. You know, that it, it was almost designed yes. by people. You know, that you expected there to be music. You know, the old music uh, when you came up, and there was every effect yeah. that you can cram into a website these days. Um, do you think that you know the the, the big breweries are slow to respond, uh, or you know their response is coloured by the fact that most of the executives are in that 45 plus age group? And that, yeah, maybe. Even if young designers are coming up to them with ideas, <laughs> they may be sort of saying, no, but we need more music or we need more, you know, the kids love animated GIFs. Throw some in there. It, it, de- it definitely
2: looked like uh, three or four designers had some really good ideas and then it was kind of designed by committee where we all, okay, let's have this and that and have that good idea. And when you move the mouse, this is going to move... Uh and you know, let's let's call it a funky name, modern curations gallery, uh which is already pretty dated. You know, the, the word curate curation or curating things was a buzzword about a year ago and now no one's really using it. Uh so and now they're kind of stuck <laughs> with it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, slow about, I am I missed it altogether. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're all talking I didn't, about pivoting. I didn't curate now. anything. It, it, they should have pivoted to something else. It's, it's, <laughs> um so where's my I'm pivoted, curated, <laughs> gone? I, I think, you know, right, right down to the name, it, it sounds like they've sat in a four-hour meeting and then come out of the meeting and gone, okay, we've just decided on that, and let's never talk about it again. Um, it's such a weird name, and it, it, yeah, I don't know what the thinking is behind it. Um, it doesn't doesn't scream to me that I'm going to go get some good beer from it.
0: Like, can I ask? I, because um, I opened the discussion uh, essentially with this. How old are you? Because Prof and I, like, I'm in my late 40s and Prof is in his early 50s. How old are you? I'm 33. You're 33. Because so, uh, I've talked on the podcast that you know, there is this um, age. Actually, you are right on the, uh, the age because uh, anyone who has turned 18 since uh, Little Creatures uh, launched in 2000 is what I see in a different beer generation than those who turned 18 before then, because you're much, yeah. the, the closer you are to 18, um, the more likely you are to, you know, craft beer isn't even a thing. Um, yeah. So, you know, you, you don't even call it craft beer because it is just all you know is beer. Um, and, and because and what, one of the things I've noticed that you never fail to, to raise, to take the bait is any time, uh, mainstream media, and you've written posts on it. Um, anytime the, the word hipster is used or um, <laughs> beer is sold with uh, people wearing uh, trilby hats and, or you know, straw hats and beards. Um, and again, looking at uh, on September 27, um, you posted an article saying mainstream media just don't understand with a photo that looks almost exactly like that um, and sort of <laughs> picked it apart. And yet, when I looked, When I look at that photo, that is every craft to me. That is every craft beer bar, or every bar that I walk into. The people drinking craft beer are those three blokes. In fact, the guy on the right, I thought was Phil Cook when I first looked at it. (laughs)
2: I'm gonna have to bring that up. Um, (laughs) The uh, that that post, I guess, was very tongue in cheek, uh, and particularly around, I think. Probably myself and, and taking aim at myself, and people probably like Phil Cook. Uh, hi, Phil. <laughs> where we, where I guess our generation love picking apart things like that. We love every time there's a mention in mainstream media of craft beer. And I'm guilty of this as well. We'll go for the one thing, we'll go for that mention of hipster, we'll go for that one, you know, they might slightly get the, the meaning of Lambic wrong and then jump on Twitter and say, look at these idiots. They're all so stupid.
0: Or um, we'll call sour so, beers lambics. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> as, as if they're all the same. Or even calling them sour beers as a.
2: Uh. Yeah, yeah. And so, look, that that was very tongue in cheek, and I, I think that was probably uh, aimed more at uh, the the telephone booth gang more than anything uh, that post, because you know, for for the most part, mainstream media does does cover beer reasonably well. It's just those tiny little, tiny little things that we like to get angry about.
0: But it is a very easy um, label to 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 label on craft beer is you know there's hipster drink. But again, there's nothing new in that because um, you know again I'm of the vintage where if you wore a polo shirt or chinos um, or boat shoes in the '80s, which incidentally everyone was wearing, suddenly you're a yuppie. And hipster is just the um, catch-all definition to talk about, you know, young urban style. Um, that without digging too deeply and maybe pulling out separate tribes of that, it's just a catch-all phrase for a generation um, and and some of the things that you, you can throw in the basket with them. Is it, it, my read on it?
2: Is is that fair? Or yeah, definitely. I remember. Uh, I remember when the sort of the term started being thrown around and. Uh, there was definitely, you know, a, a subgroup of of people that were wearing I think, knitted jumpers and mustaches, uh, and listening to to some pretty questionable music. And they all and uh, fi- they all wrote fixies. Don't forget. Yeah, yeah. And then that just kind of slowly grew into becoming how people dressed, and and then suddenly, basically everything makes you a hipster. Uh, you know, if you say that you like a particular band, but you liked them. You know, you like their first album. Doesn't matter what kind of band, kind of band they are. Suddenly, you're a hipster. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's yeah, I it's love strange. Billy Joel's first album. That's that's a pretty hipster thing to say. I've, I think I've got that on. I actually think I've got that on vinyl somewhere. <laughs>
1: it, it was Piano Man for those playing along at home. It actually wasn't Prof. Oh, wasn't that, it? Was, that was
0: his first hit, but it actually wasn't his first album.
1: No. I, I think I might have yeah, to go and check, fact check that properly now. Sad. Yeah, I don't think we will go. I'll
0: go, I'll go to... look at my collection. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I I completely sidetracked that. But uh, you, you you were saying, Luke?
2: Um yeah, so so these days it's just it's easy to label it, sips as you say, it, it's the fashion. Uh and look, you can see why why you would if you're writing an article and you want to portray that it's a bar full of young people that, you know, might be drinking good coffee or or interesting beer or listening to a live band it's easy just to say it's a hipster bar. Uh, and I think most of us kind of know what that looks like, even though, you know, we know that it's a bit of a, a lazy catch-all. Mm. So,
0: and, and let's face it, if the media didn't have lazy catch-alls, we wouldn't have a media. They might no, definitely. go out and do
2: some real work. I mean, me labelling advertising industry people sad old blokes is probably about the same, the same level of catch-all. <laughs> well, as I said, Prof and I uh, took that one on the chin. <laughs>
1: uh, but, You're right, uh, Matt, it was called Cold Spring Harbor, by the way. Cold Spring it was Harbor. Billy yeah. Joel's first solo album, mm.
0: yeah. Um, and had some very actually for, for Billy Joel, he had some actually very. Uh, he was writing about masturbation and uh, a whole lot of other things. Um, Captain but, Jack. Uh, Captain Jack. Yes. So, but uh, I, I, I think I've managed to hijack that again. But Luke, <laughs> God, this is a very, uh, very, very long discussion, but it's been a fascinating discussion. But we might have to uh, do a. Part two at some later stage because there's still a whole lot that we uh, can cover. Um, thank you very much for for joining us today, and I, I, we should say, um, you know, congratulations on all you do. We've gone covered so many of your articles that whilst it's good net etiquette to link to all of them, uh, I'm just going to link to your some of the main ones, particularly your um, five um, prognostications article. Um, but I yep. encourage everybody to go and have a look at Ale of a Time and subscribe to it and also the Ale of a Time podcast.
2: Yeah, yeah, we'd love to have you on board. Uh, and also we'd love to, we, we love the debate just as much as you guys do, so if anyone strongly disagrees, feel free to email me and tell me. Uh, I think that's exciting. Mm.
0: So, no, thank you very much for joining us on uh, Radio Brews News and uh, yeah, look forward to uh, having a chat with you again very soon and listening to more of your uh, podcasts uh, coming up.
2: No worries, thanks for having me
0: guys.
2: In the garden, what a
0: garden. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers and with an open door policy, Brewpacks brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing, think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible.
1: There we go, Prof. What was a yeah, great chat, and and we've um uh, been trying to tee up uh, a chat with Luke. And Dave and we did try during Good Beer Week this year. We were while you were down in town um, to get the four of us together and to do you know kind of a, uh, a, a you know a sitcom crossover series of uh, you know where we did uh, ale of a time, brews news um, co-production. But uh, we we just couldn't get all four in the same place at the same time, unfortunately. But, but so it was really good to catch up with Luke. Yeah,
0: and uh, as, as much as I had to say it, um, I, I think that's you know, that was one of the most enthralling chats that we've had in in a history of what I think are enthralling chats, obviously, um, which surprises me a little bit, or I don't want to like it a little bit because you know there is generally nothing worse than the media um, speaking to the media about the media um, in terms of boring chats. But <laughs> this was a yeah discussion, just observations uh, of people who are outside the industry on the
1: industry yeah exactly yeah
0: anyway it was a very long chat it was an excellent chat and uh, you've heard it all so um we might Let's just get straight into cards and letters lucky <laughs> Love your work, Lockie. Love your work. Even though last week I was lucky. Did you hear the? Uh, did you hear, listen to last week's? Episode? Oh, I missed it. I didn't. Yeah, and there was no cards and music letters. No cards and letters music. No, there wasn't. But I did yeah. put in some music about counting numbers,
1: which you asked for. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I did enjoy that. That was interesting.
0: Yeah, I, didn't recognize I did. not I did
1: so didn't like the, the the outro music. We have got to get rid of that. We got to. I know we have got to try every single version of. You don't like Dear the one. I've played that a few times. Yeah. No. It's a, it's a bit creepy. Okay. Um, maybe just for this week, we could, uh, in, in deference to our guest, we could, we could get some thrashing guitar music of Beer Barrel Polka. Actually, <laughs> so I didn't ask him what,
0: what, what was the uh, – we, we'll have to get him on or maybe uh, Luke can write in and let us know. Part two. Um, yeah, Next episode. Part two. Um, okay, Marcus, check. Um, now, it's, yeah, it, it, I'm sure that that's how uh, you prepare it. Um, uh g'day matt i've only recently started listening to Bruce news podcast and i found them enjoyable and insightful marcus thank you very very much uh welcome aboard the podcast and thank you for for your feedback um maybe you might like to jump on itunes and leave a review uh i listened to your most recent one today where you interviewed peter fielding and in your pre-interview banter um you were discussing the tendency for people newer to craft beer to chase the special release beers harder In the same discussion, you both agreed that after a period of 18 months or so, people generally come back to lagers and pale ales. These statements were somewhat perplexing, as in my circle of beer nerd friends, we do go hunting uh, across town, brackets Melbourne, for new releases, in particular the more challenging big IPAs, wild ales and stouts. This is something that most of us have been doing for many years, over five in my case, and unless I become unemployed, can't see changing anytime soon um this is also reflected in the online beer community i follow closely beer thread on facebook um where many of the most dedicated beer nerds have been into it for longer than i have i wouldn't normally write um in when i disagree with something i heard in a podcast but i just don't understand how you can uh come to those views when you're both so closely involved in the beer industry uh marcus thank you very very much um for that in we had a bit of back and forth including how to pronounce his name uh, and, one th- and he added, one thing I meant to put in the original email is that I haven't bought a carton for personal consumption in the past five years and very, very rarely buy a whole six-pack um, of the same beer. So, Prof, did you want to say anything about that?
1: Yeah, I think we covered that off, didn't we, that um, craft beer doesn't sell in, in, in case lots. It tends to be each's and six-pack's.
0: Although I do buy golden ales uh, yeah, by the carton. Um, actually, no.
1: That's oh, look, I, I buy most of mine as a carton because it, it, if I'm buying it, but that's a, for business reasons, because I'm buying it for a, a tasting or whatever it might be, and that just brings your unit price down. If you've got I leftovers, realize, then, then I've got exactly my stuff. That's I do. Out. Yeah,
0: no, I just realised that that's where yeah. I buy cartons as well, so I buy a six-pack. But I, I guess,
1: you know, um, Marcus, first that's of all, why, thank Because we, we talked about you won't, you won't find cases of, um, of craft beer in um in the in the the chiller, uh at 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 the big outlets, it's more you know you, you can get them in the fridge and because it just it's economically just not viable for for the for the retailer.
0: Yeah, um and and, and I guess Marcus, um, look, we're, we're, I'm too often accused or most often accused of over-explaining things, um and that discussion that we had uh, again probably could have uh had a whole lot more discussion. And we, we touched on a lot of it in the chat with Luke today, which is one of the impetuses for making sure we had Luke on this week because a lot of the stuff that we talked about um, and I was fascinated to hear, for example, that Luke sticks mainly to local IPAs as opposed to buying imported IPAs. Um, and he does love a golden ale and you know we have professional interest or we have a curious interest in some of the big ones. But it's not our reason for existing anymore. Um, but that's just us, and it's a trend that I've noticed among a lot of people that I speak to. Um, but it's obviously not a one-size-fits-all thing where not everybody, um, you know, does that. Uh, I've, I've in the past commented that people who get into running, um, you know, really take to it for a while. Um, they start entering, you know, the half marathons and all of the different things, um, and then sometimes they just go back to just running, um, but some people go on and yeah, every yeah, couple of months run a marathon. Um, there, there's no one description. It was just something I remarked upon that there is enough of it happening that I've identified as a bit of a trend. Um, is, is that a fair way? Yeah, of- and look, there are, there are, I
1: think for, for for everyone who sticks with IPAs, I think there are probably uh, half a dozen who try them now and then and enjoy them, but we'll come back to the, you know, inverted commas, go-to beers. And one of the things I probably should have asked
0: Marcus was, again, how old is uh, he was, because I think um, one of the things that spurred our discussion with Luke was there is, as we've talked about between us, prof, um, a generation divide in, in beer. We're on one side of that divide, and I think someone like Luke is on the other side. And perhaps, you know, we, we tend to... Socialise with gr- largely homogenous groups, and it's something I've noticed with the people who are on the older side of the, the, the divide. Maybe yeah. um, yep. people who are younger are much because they're, they're more deeply immersed in it. Um, you know that that's what they know. I look, I, I, I don't know. It was just something I commented on. It wasn't meant to be an ex- you know, a uh, defining commentary of, uh, about the beer scene. It was just something. So no, like, not at all. Yeah, the, the one thing, Marcus. And, sorry, sorry, Prof. No, go go. Um, I was just going to say the one thing I um, would say is that he finished by saying I wouldn't normally write in when I disagree with something, and as far as I'm concerned, that's the best time to, to write in because again, it prompted this whole discussion, which I you know, that we had with Luke today, which I thought was uh, you know, fascinating. To get those, um, I, I actually, Prof, in, out of that discussion, um, I thought that one of the most interesting things was we all tended to, by and large, agree on things on on, on had similar points of view, but often came at them from very different perspectives or expressed them differently based on, um, you know, where how we arrived at it, um, which I thought, uh, again, was very much to do with, you know, our, our uh, age, um, for, for want of a better description.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, um, I think probably uh, you and I and our ilk, uh, you know, in, in terms of our, you know... Um, uh, age group, we, we don't live with the with the FOMO mentality as much as yeah, perhaps well, it is with the, with the youngers.
0: Yeah, again, and, you know, maybe because we've Without, got... At you
1: know, risk of sounding old.
0: Yeah, um, and possibly also because we make a living in beer. So, you know, it, it, it's less of a hobby and more of a profession. Um, you know, I, I don't know whether Marcus has got kids, um, you know, a, a young family. I, I know that that's often, you know, you, you don't have the same money to spend... Um, when you've got a wife, the mortgage and the kids um, and schooling and all of that sort of thing. Look, I, I, I don't know, Marcus, as I said, uh, you know, like it's, um, it, it wasn't meant to sort of be a defining statement. It was just a, a, a trend that I'd noticed, um, but certainly you know, warrants further discussion. And thank yeah, you very for much sure. for, for emailing in. Um, well, Prof, it's, it's been a long show, great show. Um, so we might just get out, remind people that you can leave a, you know email, particularly if you disagree with us. It's much more interesting if you disagree than if you do agree, although we like to know just like the broken clock that we can be right sometimes too. Um, yep. jump on iTunes, leave a review, uh, you know, leave a positive comment on beer thread or whichever Facebook uh, group you follow on, tell them to listen out for the podcast. If you thought it was a good one, um, if you found some interesting things to discuss, discuss it on there and give us credit. Uh, if you love what we do, you can jump online and uh, sponsor the, the, the show. You can become an executive producer, uh, a producer or just a um, by-proff a six-pack um, and help us out uh, getting done. Next week uh, I'm going to be in Melbourne and we've teed up our long-awaited chat with uh, um, Michael Vandenberg to talk about a whole lot of beer history stuff. So it'll be Prof and I tete-a-tete uh, so look out for that. And uh, Prof, any last words? I'll, I'll give you the last word this week. You, I always give you the last word. See you guys. See you next week. That's it. Prof, I thought you had a lot I mean, I thought you had a lot more to say this episode. Well we've, we've said a lot. I think you said a lot too, which was yeah. it's good that you chimed in. Yeah. Oh thanks truth, for that. Well truth be known, I'll throw these questions to you and you'll often just say, Yeah, I agree, or not add anything. And it's very hard to make a podcast yeah. without a with, without so I'm often feel that I'm filling the silence,
1: not just right. or I stand, don't lower the point. <laughs> There's another opportunity for Lachie. And from our fathers, fathers, fathers. And we're out. And we're out. (laughs) Good try.